0: To American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Hope everyone had a good Christmas. Relaxing, I hope. Certainly educational among some, from what I hear. A lot of interesting conversations taking place, and I'll be going over that a little bit throughout this episode. No doubt about it. I want to start off with this first. I've got some geopolitical things to bring up here at the top. Of course, plenty of education-related things, and then a great deal of jab stuff, including a lot of stories, first-hand accounts, and anonymous posts, uh, contributions from listeners as well, and their takes on what's been going on and the conversations that they were having with some family members, and then I want to read through the Twitter thread regarding the COVID debate and the censorship that, of course, was taking place, and I have a little bit of audio to play as well. There's a lot here but let me get into it. First of all, you know that pattern recognition is one of those things that I'm keen on and certainly enjoy and try to pick up on as best I can. And I think that it's getting easier and easier to do. The sad part is that there are a great deal of people who still aren't figuring it out and this is coming from the so-called awake. And I I would put these people in that particular category, you know, these are the individuals who are on social media, on the main pages in particular gab, you hit the explore button and then you see what everybody's screaming and yelling about after a particular event has taken place. That's usually the tell that something is going on that is not quite what people think that it is. Again, you've heard me comment on this multiple times. And the one example, again, that immediately comes to mind has to do with Uvalde, Texas and what went on down there. You know, the day after it happened, the so-called awake were all jumping on it, saying, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Uh, You know, what a tragedy. We got to keep our schools safe. Schools are terrible. They're unsafe and blah, blah, blah. Everybody was saying the same sorts of things, same wavelength of thought. Everybody was catching that wave, repeating one another. Very problematic. Again, you've heard me say this quote a thousand times. I'm going to keep saying it. George Patton was right when he said, when everybody's thinking alike, someone's not thinking. This is a problem. And this is continuing to happen with people, again, looking at everything one-dimensionally instead of even considering for a moment another dimension of thought on a particular issue. And again, Gab is one of those places where you can go and you can see that I'm not saying that every comment that gets made about a particular issue is false. It certainly isn't. But when a particular subject hits the mainstream media, in particular the Zelensky stuff, that's that's very telling. So I want to dive into that briefly if I can. Let's examine this Zelensky guy for a moment. And let's go back in time and I'm going to start off with this particular time frame. Donald Trump was in office when Zelensky was elected president. Zelensky, of course, is an actual actor. He's a former actual actor. He has surrounded himself in his own cabinet, so to speak, with actors. These were guys that were former actors also. That right there should be suspicious enough that what we are seeing is not the full story. And what we are witnessing is not what the mainstream media is telling us. Because again, if we're just going along with what the mainstream is telling us, then we haven't learned our lesson regarding the mainstream media. So people have to think differently about all of this. And this is, again, this, this is so problematic. Because these individuals that have all these followers and all these listeners and all this and all that, they just get emotional when they hear about all the Zelensky stuff and us giving him all this money, allegedly, and a thousand other things. But again, let's go back to when he was elected, or selected, or whatever the process actually was. Donald Trump was in office. The two of them met in person. The two of them had conversations over the phone. And if you recall, it was that first phone call that Donald Trump was impeached over, because they said it was a bad phone call and he was bribing Zelensky and something like that. Keeping in mind, of course, that the people who were associated with Ukraine in our own government, the Dr. Fiona Hills, the uh, Alexander Vindman, you know, all these losers. And there's the one Maria gal who, her last name has slipped my mind, but she's a monster too. All of these individuals testified to Adam Schiff's committee that Devin Nunes was... Of course, supposed to, and he, of course, sat on the committee also, but all of these individuals testified and all said the same thing. They all said, Ukraine is corrupt. Over and over and over again, they kept saying Ukraine is corrupt, Ukraine is corrupt. So, these were members of the seeming left in our government saying that Ukraine is corrupt. And then they impeached Donald Trump over a phone call that was not inappropriate, that we knew was an entire staged, rigged impeachment in an attempt to try to get him out. And all the blackmail cards were played, and all the people who voted yes to impeach again were blackmailed, and a thousand other things. But now all of the sudden the very guy that Donald Trump was having a conversation with that was apparently inappropriate where they were alleged, where he was allegedly bribing zelensky which of course wasn't the case now everybody's on zelensky's side and i mean everybody almost every single member of congress and the senate are on zelensky's side they invite the guy here he gives a speech begs for more money We've been giving it to him, allegedly, hundreds of billions, if not now trillions of dollars. Even Mitch McConnell, of course, has come out and said, well, uh, funding Ukraine is the best thing that that, that America can do. Ukraine is the thumbnail on the hand that is Russia. Russia is not a communist country. That card keeps getting played like that's historically or currently accurate. That's not true either. But here's the thing with Zelensky: Everybody on the seeming right who claims to be full-blown awake and red- pilled and knows what's going on, they're believing everything that Zelensky does and or says without considering the fact that he might be actually controlled by white hats. This is an actor. Let's look at some of these actors who have actually gone over, allegedly, to Ukraine, assuming that's where they actually are located, and met with this guy. You've got Tom Cruise, you have Sean Penn, and Zoolander. Ben Stiller. All actors going over there and shaking hands with him. I would, I would encourage people to take this into consideration. What if Vladimir Zelensky, or Voldemir Zelensky, however the hell you say his stupid name, because I I really don't care, but (laughs) what if he is controlled by white hats for the sole purpose of gathering intel or treasonous behavior on everyone who is associating with him and his government? And by that scenario, I mean any and all Americans, including foreign powers. That's a big fishnet. And we have to assume that there are white hats who know what's going on. Again, there's too much of this that is coordinated. There's too much of this that looks beyond ridiculous, if not just flat-out stupid. It's too odd. Now, we know, again, that the left are not smart people. I mean, these these are dumb, gaslighting individuals. We know this. But, so much of this is strategically reckless, that it seems too odd that they would even take the risk of doing this, because it seems far too reckless, even at face value. So, here's what I'll say, because I know that was a, a bit of a ramble, but I would just encourage people to consider that we're not watching what we think we're watching. Everybody on all sides, except for government, seems to think that Zelensky is a bad guy. Government seems to think he's a good guy. What if there's a third option? What if he is, in fact, a controlled individual who is a good guy, controlled by good guys, for the purpose, again, of catching as many bad guys as humanly possible? When it comes to money laundering, bioweapons funding, You name it. Treasonous and seditious behavior, whatever it may be. This is something that people should consider, in my humble opinion. I'm shocked more people aren't considering this. But this is the litmus test. This is just one more example of of a litmus test, just like Uvalde. Everybody was saying the exact same thing about that. That's a problem. When everybody's saying the same thing, that's usually not the real truth or the real answer. So I wanted to throw that out there if I haven't said that before one more time. It seems manufactured. The whole thing seems remarkably manufactured. Not to mention, no one has any actual proof that a single red red cent has been sent to Zelensky or to Ukraine for anything. All we're hearing is, or money amounts, but we're not physically seeing checks, we're not watching them get cashed, we're not watching them get turned into a product that is then being used either in their own defense or whatever. Again, Russia could wipe them off the face of the planet in an instant if they wanted to, but they're not going to because they don't want to. They've gotten rid of biolabs. Excellent. They should have. That was the whole point. But what else have they done? They've fed the Ukrainian people. Russia is feeding the Ukrainian people. They're giving them shelter. Russia, or I'm sorry, Ukraine, three provinces at least, voted to remove themselves from Ukrainian power. They voted for it. Their own citizens, not under duress, they didn't have guns to their heads. They want nothing to do with the way that things have been in Ukraine. And so Russia has taken control of those areas. That's great. The Ukrainian people like that. People aren't considering this, nor are they paying attention to it. Again, Russia is not a communist country. They're one of the whitest, most Christian countries that exists on the face of the planet. And they want to keep it that way, and they should. But there's so much money laundering taking place in Ukraine, and it's Really, the root of it is our own government and our own government officials, and we know this. Mitt Romney's connected to it, John Kerry is connected to it, Joe Biden is connected to it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So are countless other people. So, I would just encourage people to consider that, because that's very real. It's a very real possibility that what you're watching isn't real, and that Zelensky is in fact controlled by White Hats for the purpose, again, of just being a giant fishnet and catching multiple people. It doesn't mean that it has to be the thing that's actually happening. It just means that it's something that people should consider instead of blindly following that hive mind mentality of, you know, buzz, 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 he's a bad guy, and all the government bad guys are supporting a bad guy, and it's happening right in front of everybody's face. Maybe there's more to it. There has to be. Almost everything is, is multi-dimensional these days, and all we, and really always has been, it's just that we're, we're more awake to it these days than we have in past days. So that's my two cents on the Zelensky thing. The Kerry Lake trial. I watched both days of this in its entirety, and much of it was very revealing. Um, I want to focus in on on two aspects of it i'm I'm not shocked at the at the verdict, which of course basically said that there was no fraud not not, not enough to rule against and whatever else that's of course complete horseshit, and everybody knows it uh at the very least the judge could have ruled that the election or the election results need to be halted and that the certification although they've signed off on it already and certified it needs to be reversed until more investigations are are done he could have even ruled if he wanted to that a new election take place with the exact same ballot counted by the exact same machine with no problems on it whatsoever or that they are hand counted that each ballot's hand counted. A judge has the ability to do that. Did that happen in this case? No, it didn't. But there's two individuals that I want to focus on that were a part of the Maricopa County defense. Because the individuals for the prosecution, the witnesses that they had on the stand, it was very well done. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were experts in their field they were individuals that knew the law they even knew the law better than the lawyers for the defense for Maricopa County and for Ka- Katie Hobbs i thought that was interesting some embarrassing moments there but there was one individual Scott Jarrett is his name he's the Maricopa County Elections Director um immediately i caught this the second that he said it because he was asked about it briefly he was asked about the ballot printing and the issue of course was that The ballot image was shrunken down an entire inch onto the same size piece of paper. And then they were expecting the ballot machine to read an image that was an inch shorter on all sides, totaling an inch, basically, and from 20 inches, I believe, to 19 inches. And then the machine, they said, could not read those properly, but don't worry, they were were counted effectively either by hand or through some other method. He testified under oath on the stand that this was a problem that they allegedly first noticed in the election in November of 2021. They didn't fix it even in the next election, which was the primary election, and then they didn't fix it again for the election In 2022, on election day, just last month. So they knew that this existed, but they'd never fixed it. And his defense was it's still under evaluation, and we're still writing up the evaluation as to what needs to be done to fix this. There was also testimony that the reason that that was the case was because it was solely man made, it was a man made error. You simply select on the machine what, how big you want the, the, the ballot image to actually be. So people were given a ballot image that was smaller than the one that the machine would accept. This was done on purpose. Again, did, th- did they have the name of the person who did it? Of course not, because no one's going to give that up. What's the name of the person who pressed the button on the machine that didn't allow it to get counted? They're not going to give up that name because whoever gives up that name is dead that very night so this was <laughs> this was openly stated on the stand it can't get clearer that it was purposeful voter fraud on purpose but you've heard me say this again i think i said it at least a month or so ago i was reading posts on this show and i was saying that we know that there's going to be voter fraud but don't expect anything to happen after the voter fraud on election day, and then the days leading up to, or any reversals, so to speak, leading up to the actual swearing in of these people. If these people get sworn in, that's the nail in their coffin. It's after the swearing in where the real shit is going to hit the fan, and it has to, because you can't possibly ex- you can't possibly believe that Kerry Lake lost or that anybody who was a Republican on that ballot lost. They all won. All of them. Because no one votes for Kerry Lake and then votes Democrat across the board for everybody else. Including the alleged Senate winner, Scott Kelly, I believe his name is. You know, the fake NASA astronaut guy. There's no way he won either. Blake Masters had to have beaten him. So. Again, you know, it's demoralizing, but it's supposed to be. It's supposed to It's supposed to show people, and, and it's, it's supposed to make people angry, is my point. It's supposed to get countless people to understand that you cannot rely on the judicial system to do the right thing. And when they don't do the right thing, don't be surprised that they didn't do the right thing. These judges are blackmailed, too. I mean, I even saw somebody say that the judge was associated with the Church of Latter-day Saints, and they were actually saying that this was a good thing. They're saying that there's no way that a, that a judge who was associated with the Church of Latter-day Saints would, would make a, a poor decision as a judge. That's absurd. <laughs> that, makes, that makes zero sense. Even more so, if the person's religious affiliation is out there, and oh, they've always been associated with the Church of Latter day Saints, and they're a Mormon, and they've always been, and they were brought up through all those schools, they would never, ever go against whatever the Mormon, you know, the Book of Mormon or wh- whatever the hell. No, no, that's even shadier. That's even more shady. Than someone who would not affiliate with with one denomination or another, let alone publicly. So, again, that's my two cents on that scenario as well. I'm certain more is going to happen because more has to happen. Again, we've been told a thousand times that military is the only way. We can't expect these judges to just start making positive decisions regarding this sort of thing. So, if we start with that wavelength of thought, we're not going to be disappointed when a particular verdict comes down the line, you know, that uh, that we hope goes in one positive direction, but it doesn't. And then we just become more demoralized. Becoming demoralized at this point is for the people who are still waking up. We're already awake. We know what's going on. We've been demoralized enough already. We get it. We've seen it with our own eyes time and time again. Every door has been closed. Every switch has been hit. I mean, we fully get it. Look at what all the judges did and all the panels and government panels did regarding the 2020 election. Did anybody reverse anything on a grand scale? No. Which means 2020 hasn't been fixed. Not publicly, anyway, for people to actually see, because there are people holding office right now who didn't win their election. Now, Kerry Lake, again, has said they're going to appeal to the state Supreme Court. And then they're going to appeal to the Supreme Court. So what are we expecting to happen there? We can take guesses. Do we actually believe that the state Supreme Court of Arizona is going to rule against a Maricopa County judge? All of that evidence. And... Whatever whatever other scenario you can possibly imagine, because again, to rule against that judge, who is a seemingly conservative judge, allegedly, it would be a complete indictment of the judicial system in Maricopa County. They don't want that as a Supreme Court of Arizona. They wouldn't want that, not to mention, if he is in fact conservative, which it seems that he is. This is, the, this is a perfect opportunity to, to just push through that fraudulent election, rule in his favor, support his decision, and then there you have it. Then everyone will know that the state Supreme Court doesn't have the backs of the citizens of Arizona. That's a big message that's getting sent. It's an important message. You can't trust government. Under any circumstance whatsoever, you've heard me say it. I'm an abolitionist on all of this completely all these branches of government are bought and sold every single one of them. Yes, there are good individuals out there, but if those good individuals if their vote doesn't count or they're overruled by a you know what whatever it is a three to two vote or a four to one vote, and that two or one person who voted correctly and ruled correctly is outnumbered it doesn't matter they're outnumbered which means again the entire system is broken and we know that the system is broken so i'm simply saying don't be surprised when that's the case don't get further demoralized because that's the case accept it as the reality that it is and then try and then what we, i think we should do is is we should simply try to consider other options and other scenarios there are two scenarios left there are really only two scenarios the first is of course military intervention i'm not saying that it's the first like that's our first option but that's that's one of them is military intervention and we also know based on q posts that that q movement was not operation trust those two things are not the same thing I keep seeing those comparisons that, again, the Q movement and the Q posts were Operation Trust. Operation Trust is nowhere close to what the Q movement is about nor accomplished. Operation Trust was designed to keep people on their asses and not do anything. The Q movement was designed to reassure us that things are worse than you could possibly imagine in our government and around the world. And that we would like to prevent a civil war at all costs because things are going to get so bad that a civil war and the, and the killing of government officials at the hands of Americans is an inevitability. That, that, that will happen. So that's what the Q movement was designed to prevent. Let's educate the people first. Let's wake them up as much as we can. And again, we have to tell them that the military is the only way that there are very good people in the military who are working behind the scenes to control particular things and that they will intervene at particular times when the time is right that of course is designed to keep us from picking up our arms that we are rightfully allowed to do and go after politicians who violate our rights including judges because because again if it boils down to judges judges should be the first people that are removed again either by the military or by citizen force because if there are no judges then nothing can be ruled on right i mean if that's if that's the tower of power so to speak and and that's the uh the, the, the you know the pyramid of pain you go for the judges first and then what lawyers and then mayors and then city councils and then you go right through government i mean you can start with a governor if you want and and go and and wipe them out too but look again look at what they've done they've all certified their own fraudulent elections they've all engaged in the covid crimes all of them they've all they've all entrapped themselves which is which is where it can't it can't become more blatantly obvious I mean, look at Mike DeWine, very quickly, where I lived, in Ohio. Mike DeWine is a criminal of the highest order, and us in, in Ohio know this. We know this. But Mike DeWine's nail in his own coffin were the, were the COVID crimes, in particular, the summer of 2021, when he ran the COVID lottery, just like Gavin Newsom did. He did the same thing Gavin Newsom did. In fact, Mike DeWine may have been the first in the country to do it. The old COVID lottery. Get your jabs. We'll put your name in a bucket. We'll stir that bucket around. The the hand of government will reach into that bucket, pull out your name, and if we pull out your name, you win a million dollars. That's the end of Mike DeWine's career, life, everything. That's coercion to the highest level. Coercion to take a biological weapon. And plausible deniability will not get him out of it. Well, I didn't know it was a biological weapon. Well, I didn't know. Somebody's got that bastard's email. Somebody knows that he knows that this was dangerous. And this, and I mean, again, not a single lawyer got in his ear and said, this is a bad idea. People are getting hurt by this. You've never done this before with any flu shot. You've never done this before with any other shot. Why are you doing this now all of a sudden? And they had five or six drawings. And now look what's happening with the Twitter threads and all the information that's rolling out and all the audio and all the lawsuits and the doctors and nurses dropping dead and everybody dropping dead from these shots. He's backed himself into a corner. He can't get out of it. He's not the only one. It's everybody. It's everybody who is associated with all of this. Again, whether it be election fraud or it be the COVID crimes, same bucket, same problem, same things. My point is, is there are only two options left. And it's not relying on the judicial system because that would imply that they would have to rule against themselves as an apparatus, and they're not gonna do that because they don't wanna do that. Why delegitimize yourself in your own job when you're holding that own position? Again, judges are elected. They won't get elected again. Unless, of course, there's voter fraud, (laughs) which we know that there's going to be. So that's my wavelength of thought on this is that there's only two ways out military, or we pick up arms and we start going after elected officials ourselves. The second option would be very, very messy. The first option could be quicker and swifter than what anybody could possibly imagine. I would implore everybody to, to keep this in mind, too, on a positive note. The National Guard is deployed everywhere across the United States right now. They have been for quite some time. If they're a part of this, too, and the National Guard, you know, their card gets pulled, and then it's go time for them to get engaged and go after the people that they have orders to go after, so be it. I don't think that's going to be us as a citizenry. They're not going to come after us. You talk about a bloody mess, that would be a bloody mess too. So I don't, I don't see that as being a viable scenario. We know that the powers that be and the globalists and you know, whatever else, they, they would want that to happen. They would want to weaponize the military against their own people. And there have been, again, specific examples where that's happened across the United States already. Local police knocking on someone's door because they bought a gun. Well, so be it. It's terrible, and that shouldn't happen anyway, but I can't see the National Guard doing things like that. Uh, again, when, when it comes to us as a citizenry, that would be a that would be a large bloody mess. So military going after government is the only option, but we're not there yet. It has to get worse. It has to be more obvious. The Brunson case, again, being ruled in the Supreme Court on January 6th, interesting date. That's going to be interesting, too. Can we rely on them? No, we can't, because if they don't, if the Supreme Court doesn't rule in favor of the Brunsons in that case, which has nothing to do with election fraud and everything to do with individuals following their own oaths of office then that right there, then the cat's out of the bag on that for people too. The, the light gets shined on that. The cockroaches are out. We can see them. That means that the Supreme Court can't be, can't be trusted either. But we have, to, we, ha- we have to see that also. So again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put your hope in the Brunson case either. View it from a nonpartisan aspect, view it neutrally, view it as a person who is awake and who has ascended mentally and multidimensionally to some aspect. And then think about what the scenario would be after the fact. Because in my head, in conclusion, it's just those two scenarios. That's all we have left. We have military intervention against our government or we have civil war. Period. So there you go. Okay. Education-related things now. Uh, first of all, the Stanford University story was an interesting one. That came out, I believe, right before Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve. That was interesting. They have now walked that back. Stanford University came out and said that they were uh, you know, doing away with words like the word American or grandfather and a bunch of other words that they thought were racist or Supremacist or bigoted, or whatever you want to call it. And because of the national pushback and the ridiculousness of all of it, uh, they've allegedly walked it all back. It doesn't matter because, again, uh, you know, they've played all their cards. Everybody knows who Stanford University is and has always been. It's not unusual that they would do something like this. And just because they've walked it back publicly, or allegedly as an institution doesn't mean that all of the whack jobs are you know have some have somehow disappeared on that campus. They're still there. They're not going away. They're going to continue to work there. Uh they're all jabbed, so that's not going to work out well for them in the long run, but that's that's the way that it currently sits I think. So yeah, it, it was an interesting story but again it's it's not necessarily new. It's it's one of those things again where you know, a leftist university says something outrageous, and it hits the headlines, and then people complain, and then they say, "No, no, no, we're not going to do it anymore." Everybody, take it easy. Well, they'll still do it. They'll just do it, uh, you know, behind the scenes, in smaller avenues. Professors will encourage students to use different words instead of "Americans." Say "citizen of the country" or uh, "person who lives here," you know, something like that. So they'll just make up whatever they want, but. There you go. Uh, here's another one. This one was weird too. This comes from the we- uh, the Western Journal. It is titled "Florida School Employee Complains Over Ten Words Painted on Parking Spot." Quote: "It's attacking me." This again, not uh, not unusual. The insanity from from individuals on the left, let alone individuals in the education business, but it says the following. It says, a Pasco County Schools employee filed a complaint with the principal about her co-worker's parking space at Wiregrass Ranch High School in Pasco County, Florida. The teaching assistant, Marina uh, Gentilesco, there we go, said she was offered, I'm sorry, offended rather, by a Bible verse that her co-worker painted on her parking space, according to WFLA-TV. It says the Bible verse is taken from Philippians 4.13, which reads, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Quote, I said Christ. I was startled by it. I was very upset by it. Gentilesco said, according to WTVTV. Gentilesco said she wouldn't have such a problem if it were something inside of a church building, but she feels it's inappropriate to display a Bible verse on a parking spot. Quote, you put it on, a sta- on state-funded on state property, I'm not okay with it, she said. Pasco County Schools claims that the parking spot on which her co-worker painted the verse is her paid parking spot. Genalesco went on to state that she has to walk by it every day and it angers her because she's a Jew. I feel like, and this is a direct quote, I feel like it's attacking me as a Jew, she said. My parents are Holocaust survivors and I would never try to convince someone to change their faith. The Jews were murdered because they were Jews and Christians survived." And it just brought back the memories of what my parents went through, Gentilesco said, unquote. I'm just going to stop it there. It's, it's too pathetic. You know, it's one, it's one small example of the insane people who work in this business. I, I don't know what else to say. They've lost their minds. They believe things that are not real. Their entire life is based on things that did not happen. And if a person, again, paints it in their own parking spot and then they walk past it and it offends them, so what? So what? Because again, was it the principal who ran to the media to complain about this, or was it the individual? This again, this is, <laughs> this is just one teeny example in a, in a bucket full of examples of, of people who just don't mind their own business. They think that it has to be their way or the highway all of the time. That again is the education business in a nutshell. You'd better be a team player and we'd, ever, we'd better all agree on the exact same things or else. We're going to create a problem for you. As far as I'm concerned, that person just outed themselves as being completely crazy. And I'm sure everybody in the building already knew that they were crazy, but now they really know. So, yikes. That's about all I can say on that. Uh, Here's another one. And this, too, is a perfect example of how you would think that these school districts and these counties, in particular in Virginia, with all the negative national attention that they've received, that they would learn their lesson and just keep their mouths shut. But they're incapable of doing that. This comes from HotAir.com. It's titled School Hides National Merit Awards for Students to Promote Equity. They were keeping the merit awards away from the people who actually earned them because they were not the race that the people wanted to win the merit awards. So it says the following here. It says, located in Fairfax County, Virginia, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology has long been ranked as one of the premier high schools in the nation. It's a magnet charter school that focuses on the sciences and STEM curricula uh, for several years now you wouldn't have guessed that based on the school's record of students receiving national merit awards that's because none of the students reportedly received those honors except that's not true at all the top students in the school did indeed receive national merit awards but two administrators at Thomas Jefferson have been withholding notification of the awards from students they reportedly did this as a part of their equitable grading policy quote unquote and the parents of students who are not credited with those achievements are seeing red. It says, for years, two administrators at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology have been withholding notification of the National Merit Awards from their school's families, most of them Asian, thus denying students the right to use those awards to boost their college admission prospects and earn scholarships. This episode has emerged amid the school's district's new strategy for equal, I'm sorry, equal outcome for every student without exception. School administrators, for for instance, have implemented an equitable grading policy that eliminates zeros, giving students a grade of 50% just for showing up, and assigns a cryptic code of NTI for students not turned in, I'm sorry, for assignments not turned in. There we go. It's a race to the bottom. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not new either. Taking away zeros and, and, and putting an NTI on a person's grade card is something that I experienced as a school teacher well over 10 years ago. I mean, that's, that's not new at all. In fact, I started to see the rollout and the social pressure within school buildings and school districts regarding that very policy. So I find it interesting that they're calling it equitable grading. That's not really what it was what it was for. It was designed to bolster the entire school's uh, you know, percentages, grade percentages to make it look like th- th- that there was zero chance that students were getting zeros and just not doing anything when in fact there's always students who just choose to not do anything. But of course that Backs up on everybody, doesn't it? Backs up on the individual teacher to some extent, so they think. It backs up on the administrator, so they think, and then it backs up on the school and then the whole district, so they think. When in fact, the person who should be held accountable is the individual student who just didn't do what they were supposed to do. This is this is how corrupt this is. This is this is why this cannot be fixed. And this is why it won't get fixed, and this is why it's collapsing. We're living through the collapse. It continues. It says An intrepid Thomas Jefferson parent, Shauna Yasher, or Yashar, a lawyer, uncovered the withholding of National Merit Awards. Since starting as a freshman at the school in September of 2019, her son, who is part Arab American, studied statistical analysis, literature reviews, and college level science late into the night. This workload was necessary to keep him up to speed with the advanced studies at Thomas Jefferson, which U.S. News & World Report ranks as America's top school. First of all, that's not true either. They're not America's top school, and for anybody to believe that is insane. Anytime U.S. News & World Report's hands out an award, the person who receives it or the person who receives a number one or number two ranking isn't really the recipient. I mean, they're not really the best of the best. They just, you know, it's all, it's all about money. <laughs> it's just all about money. It says this isn't just a matter of some students not receiving a certificate to hang on to the walls, to hang on their walls, rather, or not being cited during a school assembly. Those National Merit Awards look very good on a college application and can help the highest performing students get accepted to the, na- to the nation's top universities. I'm going to end it there. Uh, I mean, there's three more paragraphs, but you you get the gist of it. That's not new. What they're doing isn't new. It's fraud, which is a crime. But who's going to hold them accountable? A judge? (laughs) It's getting laughable. It's getting laughable at this point in our country, isn't it? Who's going to hold these people accountable? The judicial system in Fairfax County? Give me a break. What prosecutor is going to take this up? What prosecutor is going to prosecute those individuals, either those two administrators or the school board or whoever else, for engaging in this fraud? It's conspiracy to commit fraud. That's a crime. I'm not a lawyer, but I know that much. It's fraudulent. Now, this raises another point, which is a problem for me, and you've heard me say this before. I continue to be shocked that these parents continue to think that they have to be magnetized to these quote unquote magnet schools, no pun intended there, but that they have to be associated with them in order to actually have their child succeed at anything. Well, congratulations. Billy really won a, won a merit award at what you think is one of the leading schools in America, just so you think he can get into one of the top colleges, which, oh, by the way, is going to insist that he be jabbed at least twice in order to attend. So, little Shamir, or wh- whatever the hell his name was, he's going to be dead in the future anyway. But don't worry, at least he got top honors and and won some merit award. But he's got to take these jabs in order to attend. This is, this is the dead-end road that people are not seeing it's the dead end road that they, that they just aren't figuring out. You know, it's like the, it's like the parents who again, bless their hearts, because I know that, you know, there's a lot of good people that are, that are still engaging in these practices, but it's like the parents who, who send their children to dormitories to live in dormitories. And they aren't telling their children that, you don't have to live in a dormitory for two, three years when you, when you attend a particular college campus. I mean, there's lots of ways to get a college degree, lots of, lots of avenues to obtain a particular education if you think that, again, needing that particular piece of paper is necessary to accomplish what you think you want to accomplish in the future. You don't have to play the game the way that the institution wants you to play the game. You don't have to take the shots. You don't have to live the way that they want you to live. You don't have to eat their slop food. You don't have to do all of that. You can be more independent and still attain what, what, what it is that you want to attain. But these are the kinds of parents that are, uh, again, addicted to the system. This is the matrix. They are addicted to the actual matrix. And the matrix, as we know, gets people killed. And it's continuing to get people killed. So... They're complaining about materialistic, superficial things. Now, yes, it's fraud, and it's conspiracy to commit fraud, as I said. That's, that's beyond evident. But you're still squabbling over something that does not matter in the grand scheme of things. So it's disappointing for a variety of reasons, but it's, it's telling of, of the brainwashing that's gone on with these parents who, again, seem to think that they're on the right side of history. Um, yeah, it's disappointing. And that leads me to this, moving into the jab-related subjects here, and there are many things to bring up. This was tossed to me first by our Louisiana educator, who is continuing to remain anonymous, and rightfully so, but they sent me this text message the other day, and I wanted to read it here because this is emblematic of the larger picture. And this, ladies and gentlemen, again, you can say, well, that's anecdotal. This is a first-hand account of what is actually going on on college campuses, including the overall large-picture confusion that is taking place. And this right here, ladies and gentlemen, as far as I am concerned, because this is a trend, this is full-blown proof of the collapse. This is it. So it says the following. They said, Merry Christmas from my family to you and yours. Well, thank you. Merry Christmas back. They sent me a picture of their family, and then they said, do you see this person? They said, this is my daughter-in-law. She's also a doctor of botany and teaches at the University of South Alabama in Mobile. Of course, they are both jabbed and once boosted. We had a very interesting conversation about enrollment and students on her campus, University of South Alabama. They said enrollment is down a minimum of 35 percent, if not more, and they are very worried about the future of higher education. She also expressed a lack of on-campus student attendance. You know, they just cannot understand why all of this is happening. She said, I love her dearly and she's a great person, but she's a product of a father who retired from NASA and a mother who retired from the University of Alabama. Her sister is an immunologist also, apparently, and needless to say, it's very difficult to try to share any information with them. Thankfully, they are not flaming liberals, quote-unquote, more so moderate Democrats, but you can see my struggles, unquote. Yes, I certainly can. And this is this is the box of confusion that they are bouncing around in, like a pinball, and they just can't get free. And they're not going to be able to get free until either something worse happens to them personally or it happens to their place of employment. But I just don't think they're going to be able to see it that their own actions and the actions of others that they themselves bought into full bore are the reason why they are where they are now. And there are many, again, well, numerous anonymous posts, two of which, again, I'm going to read here in just a minute, where this is happening on a constant basis with, again, people getting sick, some people are waking up, some people aren't, they're jabbed and then they're coming to their unjabbed family members or friends and they're either saying, you know, what the hell is going on? Or they themselves are finally figuring it out themselves and saying, you know what? You were right all along. I shouldn't have taken these shots. It's compromised my immune system. I don't know what's happening, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The the bigger picture here for me is not just that because that's massive. And as you've heard me say, it's clearly about depopulation. It can't get any clearer than that. Because if it weren't about depopulation, you wouldn't be purposely taking down all of these institutions and places of work and employment. That's the kicker. They're not just going after individuals, they're going after the entire apparatus itself. They want all of it gone. And we're watching that happen right now. So. The 35% lack of enrollment and enrollment being down a minimum of 35%, you've heard me bring up percentages when it comes to enrollment. We're way past 11%. I brought up 11% in the past that these places can't survive with 11% enrollment missing and and people not showing up, in particular at the K-12 level. 35% at a university, they're finished. They're finished. It's game over. You can't maintain the electric bill with 35%. Not to mention, what's your only option then? To raise prices, raise tuition, raise room and board, raise classroom fees, technology fees, et cetera, et cetera. You can't do that either in a manufactured recession or depression, which is what we are experiencing now. It's all manufactured. It's not some accidental mathematical equation. It's human beings flipping switches, pulling cards, playing cards to make sure that the entire thing collapses. And it's happening. And that text message right there is full-blown proof that it's happening. And that there are people inside, of course, who are experiencing this firsthand and they have no idea what they themselves are experiencing. Here's another one. And I'm going to leave out who this came from for anonymity purposes. But trust me, this is an individual who is trusted to the show, has sent material before, and has been a guest. They said the following Our provost is a big believer in the jab. So we're talking about a university here. They said, During lineup for graduation, she begins to complain about chest discomfort. Mind you, that she has been double vaxed and boosted and tested positive for COVID twice. They met a vector to a local hospital, where she has survived apparently, but she's mum on her diagnosis and stayed overnight and then returned the day after she was discharged, and she was complaining about a, re- a, a reoccurrence of symptoms. Smart lady in many ways. But dumb when it comes to the trust of the government. So we have people actually complaining of the ill effects of all of these jabs during graduations themselves and still not connecting the dots. These people don't understand that full blown documentaries have been made on this subject. Full blown documentaries. Many dating back to 2021, not just fluvid 19 or died suddenly. Again, died suddenly is the only one you hear about. There are many that have occurred, including the viral delusion. I mean, that documentary alone is astounding. Multiple hours, multiple parts, breaking apart the entire viral illusion. It blows me away. It blows me away. You know, these people, they just, they, <laughs> they don't know that books are being written about this. They don't know that documentaries are being made. They don't know that interviews, endless interviews have been done, that people are being arrested. Uh, they, they don't know that this is happening. They just don't know. Lawsuits are being filed. I mean, yeah, you know, how many of them are going to stick next to zero, but who's to, who's to say? That leads me now, of course, to a couple of other things. Again, same wavelength when it comes to the stories that are coming out regarding the jabbed, or just the entire medical profession as a whole. Over this past Christmas, of course, a number of people have died as a result of the snow blizzard that went through, in particular in the northern states, like Buffalo, for example, and uh, the Lake Erie towns and cities around Lake Erie, with the flooding and the freezing and the feet of snow. Uh, numerous people have, have, of course, died as a result. And it's not just, again, people getting stuck and people freezing to death. It's people exerting themselves because they've taken these shots, and now they're exerting themselves with shoveling snow and a number of other things that they're doing, of course, and uh, and, and they're dying as a result of that. So I'm not sure how I would categorize that secondary or tertiary um jab related variables so to speak as a result of of course them taking the jabs that is certainly another avenue and and I would again say another variable in the equation that is causing people to die and that has unfortunately happened and I'm sure is going to continue to happen in the winter months here there's another one which was specifically brought up by Carrie Madey. Dr. Carrie Madey in the last episode of the Five Docs on the Critically Thinking channel on Rumble. She mentioned a story that she personally experienced regarding the medical apparatus when all she was trying to do was get her leg x-rayed that she broke in in a plane crash this past year. She said that the uh, the, the, the medical place where she, where she was going originally in Georgia had closed its doors because the specialist that she was going to for x-rays and, and other advice was on maternity leave. And, uh, and, and that was happening apparently, but they ended up firing everybody in the, in the building and the building ended up closing down. So she ended up going to another place. She said it was a very nice place in Atlanta. They had valet parking, the whole thing. She goes in and she says the people that are working inside of this building are remarkably unprofessional, that they, that they seem to have no idea what they were doing. They knew she was a doctor. She identified herself as a doctor. They didn't take any vitals of any kind, you know, in the initial... Appointment, you know, why you're here, all that stuff. They take your temperature, they weigh you, they do all those things on the spot. They were just asking her how she felt, what she thought her temperature was, what she thought she weighed. She goes, This is remarkably unprofessional, and you don't do it that way. She then described how they wouldn't let her view the x ray of her own leg. Now, again, wrap your head around that. Why would you not let a doctor who, again, has seen x-rays before. The, 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 Dr. Midday's not an orthopedic surgeon, but she's seen x-rays. Why would you not allow them to, to see their own x-ray of their own broken leg that is in the process of healing and has a metal plate in it and XYZ? She just said, again, that the things that they were saying and the things that they were doing was incredibly unprofessional, remarkably lazy and they couldn't they couldn't understand why the place was being run the way that it was now Dr. Mede knows why and she said why she said they're hiring the worst people they're hiring people that are completely unqualified who are just either skating through school or doing just enough to get by or whatever it may be but the the disappointment in in their storytelling regarding this entire situation again is emblematic of the larger picture. This is every institution now. This is all of it. Which again, you've heard me bring this up too. And I had a previous guest from a Texas college that specialized, of course, in the trade schools and was bringing this up specifically. They said, "Hey, look, Sean, don't don't let people tell you that trade school is the be all end all." Alternative to universities or medical school or whatever it may be, they said these places are going woke. Also, so of course, as we know, is the the entire nursing profession and the medical profession. They've always been that way, but much like the K twelve and university setting, they're far more likely to fall for all the bullshit and just go down that that dummy wavelength of thought. That well, you know, the larger apparatus tells us we have to behave this way, so now we're going to behave this way. They said there were, uh, Dr. Madea was also talking about how unprofessional they were with just their basic conversation. They didn't understand that, you know, it's a serious situation, a, a, a broken leg that's healing that has a medical plate in it. Let's be professional about the entire situation instead of making casual comments about how a person is dressed or you know this, that, or the other, or you know their their speech and their tone and their manner and, and all of that, the bedside manner, so to speak. Um, all of this was just being ignored. But this again is is the larger picture. And again, is to get back to the trade school thing, really quick. I mean, that's part of the problem, also, is that people don't understand that that's happening in the trade schools too. And if that's happening in the trade schools, what does that mean about the infrastructure of our of our entire country? it too is going to become more more lazy. You're, you're going to have more individuals engaging in a particular profession for which they are not really qualified. Yes, they passed a test. Yes, they got a license. But do they know how to really solder two water pipes together? They might not. So again, it, it begs the question, how many homes are being built that are just going to crumble? How many buildings are being built that are going to crumble? Um you know, a a variety of things. So there's lots of issues here. And again, a lot of it has to do with the jabs. A lot of it has to do with the judgment. A lot of it has to do with the crumbling of the actual infrastructure in our country as a whole. I just don't, I don't see that necessarily getting better. Um, Now I'll, I'll mention, I'll mention these two Anon posts also. And, uh, and then I have a, a quick, quick piece of audio here from Tom Rents, and then I want to read lastly through the Twitter thread regarding the COVID debate. The first anonymous post says this. It's titled, There's No Helping Some People, The Brainwashing Has Seeped Into Every pore. It says, quote, best friend since childhood. Her mother was diagnosed in October with stage four cancer of lungs, brain, and a rare adrenal gland cancer. She had every vax and booster. I've been trying to convince said friend since the very beginning of the vax rollout that it's poison. Told her it causes cancer, heart attacks, strokes, etc. Even told her that people are developing rapid cancers that present at stage four straight away, and many are developing rare cancers too. Her mother developed stage four cancer and a rare one at that too. According to her, it's just a coincidence. Thought I'd finally convince her a month ago. She seemed to get nervous when I showed her the mountain of evidence that is coming out. Nope, her and her mother had another booster two weeks ago. Called me yesterday, mother has a blood clot in her leg. This time the excuse is it's caused by the cancer. There's no helping some people seriously. Imagine the disconnect going on in their brains to to come to the conclusion that it's all conjecture, unquote. Yep, just proves that many people just cannot be helped. They're going to rationalize it any way that they possibly can so that their mind can make sense of it. Because again, having their mind bend in a way that doesn't make sense in order to arrive at the truth is going to be a very difficult thing for countless people. Here's another one. It says, I refuse to hide my power level IRL. It says, context means everything. And if someone is going to ask my thoughts or opinions on something, I don't hold back. My goal in life is to red pill as many people as possible. I don't hold back. I didn't hold back rather during the lockdowns and told lots of folks that the vaccines were killing people because the powers that be were trying to lower the world's population closer to what, was chiseled into the Georgia Guidestones, 500 million people tops to be in balance with the earth and nature altogether. Of course, most of my coworkers, extended family members, and former friends wrote me off as a crazy schizo while the majority of them got multiple jabs and boosters and kept getting sick and complaining about it on social media. After they called me a crazy conspiracy nut while they shamed me and anyone else who didn't wear a mask or refused to socially distance and mocked those who refused to get vaxxed. This past weekend, I had two family members tell me that I was right all along, because they both keep getting sick and my younger cousin is starting to think that the shots are weakening people's immune systems and that the powers that be are purposefully blocking out the sun and modifying the weather along with restricting heating, oil, gas, in order to get people sick so that they die or freeze to death. Like what happened in Buffalo, New York over the weekend. It says the vaxxed are waking up and they're becoming pissed off that they were duped or suckered into taking the vax to keep their jobs or see sports ball games or concerts or whatever else that they required the vax for but by the time they get angry enough to get together and organize a committee or a federal commission group like the 9-11 victims, they'll already be dead. Don't hold back on your power level because a lot of people got vaxxed, and no, they fucked up and are looking for a red and black-pilled individual to help them find some truth and closure before they get sick and die, unquote. That right there is another example of the exact opposite approach an opposite thing that is happening because that avenue of thought certainly is happening. Plenty of the jabbed are waking up, and that is continuing to be a thing, also. Which, of course, leads me to this. And this is a quick audio about two minutes long of Tom Rentz again talking about uh, how DARPA unclassified documents cons- uh, confirm that SARS CoV 2 was created by EcoHealth Alliance. At the Wuhan Institute of Virology, coordinated by Peter Datzik. And then it was designed to be deliberately virulent and humanized, resulting in 6.5 million deaths, and that Anthony Fauci was involved. What's interesting, too, is that in this audio clip, which is, of course, a video, but the individual holding the microphone up to Thomas Rentz's mouth is Joey Gilbert. Joey Gilbert is the lawyer who sued Simone Gold. So I find it interesting, again, that Simone Gold thinks that he's somehow discredited or a bad person or was stealing or whatever, when in fact it was probably Simone Gold was the person who was doing that. Either way, it doesn't appear at all that Joey Gilbert is some kind of a bad guy. He's still an actual lawyer. He's involved in all of this, has been involved in a lot of this uh, exposure and continues to be. So there you go. Either way, here is Thomas Rentz in 321.
1: We and the people are dying in massive numbers. 6.5 million. 6.5 million globally. That's criminal charges. Did Anthony Fauci lie about gain of function uh, gain of function work? Absolutely, in my opinion, he did. And how about criminal charges? We're gonna we're gonna go after Bannon for contempt because he didn't bother to show up to a farce hearing. But we're gonna let Fauci lie to Congress about something that is consequential enough to result in six million deaths? Can anyone explain this to me? We, the people of the United States, should be outraged. Instead of pitting a war against people who are Christians, people who believe in the United States, people who want our country to succeed, maybe we should look at the people who are responsible for the, one of the greatest pandemics in human history and who have resulted, resulted in millions of deaths worldwide. I pray that every country in the world, every country, every uh, send it to the u.s ask us when are we going to investigate the crooks the u.s government didn't do this but there were people in the u.s government who did there are criminals involved who i believe were responsible for this who were negligent in their work they did it the chinese communist party was involved in this anthony fauci appears to be involved in this peter dasik appears to be involved in this Let's hold them accountable. It's time for criminal charges, criminal investigations. A Jail, here we go. Is this the same uh, Peter Daszak they sent to investigate the Wuhan leak? Yes, this is Peter Daszak who uh, was was out there. Uh, we sent him to China to decide whether or not this was a lab leak or natural origin. Peter Daszak, whose company built this in the lab with the Chinese Communist Party in Wuhan, China, was sent to China to investigate himself.
0: And, of course, the World Health Organization is involved, the World Economic Forum is involved, the UN is involved, the European Union is involved, etc., etc., etc. All of these groups are involved. We've always known this. Y- you know this. These people can buy any judge they want anywhere. They can blackmail any judge they want whenever they want. That's why military or civil war are the only two options. That's it. I wouldn't even view it as a civil war per se. It's just the good guys against the bad guys who happen to live in the exact same country. We're not talking about property ownership per se, although we are fighting for the freedom of our country and that's the point. But military is the only way here. You're not going to get judges to rule in favor of Thomas Rents on these issues. They're jab too. I wrote about that well over a year ago, year and a half ago I said this could potentially be the you know, the perfect crime. It's on my Substack. If you've got judges and prosecutors who are jabbed, that would require them to do some serious self-reflection as to what they've done to themselves and then what's happening on a grander scale, but it would require them understanding that. And I don't think that they understand that. So let me mention this too. This also came, this is also on Twitter bouncing around. Uh, let's see. It has to do with the Well, the the Pfizer docs, basically. You may recall again that the Pfizer docs are still being released at the beginning of every month. And this says the following It says, out of 44,000 participants in Pfizer's clinical trials, the mRNA doses were approved based on 170 participants. Of that 170, 162 received the placebo, and eight participants received two doses of the mRNA. That's how Pfizer claims to have reached 95% efficacy, receipts from Pfizer, and then they have the actual document here itself, where it says, again, placebo, 162, vaccine efficacy, 95%, where only eight participants received the actual real deal, apparently. Lies, damned lies, and statistics. It's all it's all buried in their documents, but it's right here. This leads me, finally, to the Twitter posts and the Twitter thread regarding the, I would say, first portion of uh, the cover-up in all of this. Again, this is lengthy. You have to keep in mind this is not for us. We know about this, have known about this. The censorship was beyond obvious to us. Because again, if everybody's saying the same thing, that right there should be your first red flag. You open up YouTube and it's all propaganda. COVID this, COVID that. Every university official saying the same thing. Every K-12 official saying the same thing. Every talking head on your television is saying the same thing. Every media apparatus is saying the same thing. But Twitter was involved too both as a company and at the individual level, with, of course, the help from individuals within government. So this is from David Zweig, if I'm saying that right, at David Zweig. It says the following, number one, the Twitter files, how Twitter rigged the COVID debate by censoring info that was true but inconvenient to U.S. government policy, by discrediting doctors and others, and other experts, rather, who disagreed, and by suppressing ordinary users, including some sharing the CDC's CDC's own data. It says, for the Twitter files, so far rather, the Twitter files have focused on evidence of Twitter's secret blacklists, how the company functioned as a kind of subsidiary of the FBI, and how execs rewrote the platform's rules to accommodate their own political desires. What we have yet to cover is COVID. This reporting from the free press is one piece of that important story. The United States government pressured Twitter and other social media platforms to elevate certain content and suppress other content about COVID-19. I'm going to interject here very quickly. YouTube. YouTube and Google are two of the most widely used, still to this day, don't know why, but still two of the most widely used platforms that exist, and they were directly responsible for all of this also. It continues. It says the United States government already said that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, internal files at Twitter have, uh, that I viewed while on assignment for the free press showed that both the Trump and Biden administrations directly pr- uh, pressed Twitter executives to moderate the platform's pandemic content according to their wishes. At the onset of the pandemic, according to meeting notes, of course, there was no pandemic. The Trump administration was especially concerned about panic buying. They came looking for help from the tech companies to combat misinformation about runs on grocery stores. But there were runs on grocery stores. It says it wasn't just Twitter. The meeting with the Trump White House were also attended by Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and others. It says when the Biden administration took over, one of the first meeting requests with Twitter executives was on COVID. The focus was on anti-vaxxer accounts, especially Alex Berenson. It says the uh, I'm sorry. It says in the summer of 2021, President Biden and social media companies were quote unquote killing people for allowing vaccine misinformation. Berenson was suspended hours after Biden's comments and kicked off the platform the following month. Berenson sued and then set, settled with Twitter. In the legal process, Twitter was compelled to release certain internal communications which showed direct White House pressure on the company to take action against Berenson. And again, they've got the receipts, they're showing the screenshots, the emails, all that stuff. It says a December 2022 summary of meetings with the White House by Lauren Culbertson, Twitter's head of U.S. public policy, adds new evidence of the White House's pressure campaign and cements that it repeatedly admitted to directly influence the platform. Culbertson wrote that the Biden team was very angry that Twitter had not been more aggressive in deplatforming multiple accounts. They wanted Twitter to do more. Twitter executives did not fully capitulate to the Biden team's wishes. An extensive review of internal communications at the company revealed employees often debating moderation cases in great detail and with more care than what was shown by the government toward free speech. But Twitter did suppress views, many from doctors and scientific experts, that conflicted with the official positions of the White House. As a result, legitimate findings and questions that would have expanded the public debate went missing. There were three serious problems with Twitter's process. First, much of the content moderation was conducted by bots. Trained on machine learning and AI, impressive in their engineering, yet still too crude for such nuanced work. Second, contractors in places like the Philippines also moderated content. They were given decision trees to aid in the process, but tasking non experts to adjudicate tweets on complex topics like myocarditis and mask efficacy data was destined for a significant error rate. Third, Most importantly, the buck stopped with higher-level employees at Twitter who chose the inputs for the bots and decision trees, and subjectively decided escalated cases and suspensions. As it is with all people and institutions, there was individual and collective bias. It says, with COVID, this bias bent heavily toward establishment dogmas. Inevitably, Dissident yet legitimate content was labeled as misinformation, and the accounts of doctors and others were suspended both for tweeting opinions and demonstrably true information. Exhibit A Dr. Martin Kaldorf, an epidemiologist at Harvard Medical School, tweeted views at odds with U.S. public health authorities and the American left, the political affiliation of nearly the entire staff at Twitter. Internal emails show I'm sorry, hang on. Internal email, here we go. Internal emails show an intent to action by a moderator saying that Koldorf's tweet violated the company's COVID-19 misinformation policy and claimed he shared false information. But Koldorf's statement was an expert's opinion, one which also happened to be in line with the vaccine policies in numerous other countries, yet it was deemed false information by Twitter moderators merely because it differed from CDC guidelines. After Twitter took action, Kaldorf's tweet was slapped with misleading label with a misleading label, and all replies and likes were shut off, throttling the tweet's ability to be seen and shared by many people, uh, the ostensible core function of the platform. It continues, it says, In my review of internal files, I found countless instances of tweets labeled as misleading or taken down entirely sometimes triggering account suspensions simply because they veered from CDC guidance or differed from establishment views a tweet by Kelly KJ I'm sorry KGA a self-proclaimed public health fact checker with 18,000 followers was flagged as misleading the replies and likes disabled even though it displayed the CDC's own data Internal records showed that a bot had flagged the tweet and that it received many tattles, what the system amusingly called reports from users. That triggered a manual review by a human who, despite the tweet showing actual CDC data, nevertheless labeled it misleading, telling the tweet, tellingly rather, the tweet by Kelly KGA that was labeled misleading was a reply to a tweet that contained actual misinformation. COVID has never been the leading cause of death from disease in children, yet the tweet remains on the platform and without a misleading label. Whether by humans or algorithms, content that was constrained but true was still subject to getting flagged or suspended. This tweet was labeled misleading even though the owner of the account whatever, uh, a physician was referring to the results of a published study. Andrew Bostom, a Rhode Island physician, was permanently suspended from Twitter after receiving multiple strikes for misinformation. One of his strikes was for a tweet referring to the results from a peer-reviewed study on mRNA vaccines. A review of Twitter logs, Twitter log files revealed that an internal audit conducted after Boston's attorney contacted Twitter found that only one of Boston's Boston's five violations were valid. The one Boston tweet found to still be in violation cited data that was legitimate but inconvenient to the public health establishment's narrative about the risk of flu versus COVID in children that this tweet was not only flagged by a bot but its violation manually affirmed by a staff member is telling of both the algorithmic and human bias at play. Boston's account was suspended for months and was finally restored on Christmas Day. Another example of human bias run amuck was the reaction to this tweet by Trump. Many Trump tweets led to extensive internal debates and this one was no different he said the following in his tweet. He said, quote, I will be leaving the great Walter Reed Medical Center today at 6.30 p.m. Feeling really good. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some really great drugs of knowledge. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. Of course, he took what? Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and Regeneron, and vitamin C and vitamin D3, and he was fine. It continues, it says, in, in a surreal exchange, Jim Baker, at the time Twitter's deputy general counsel, asks why, telling people, asks why telling people to not be afraid wasn't a violation of Twitter's COVID-19 misinformation policy. Yul Roth's Twitter, Yul Roth, Rather, Twitter's former head of trust and safety had to explain that optimism wasn't misinformation. Remember at Kelly KGA with the CDC data tweet, Twitter's response to her is clarifying, quote, we will prioritize review and labeling of content that could lead to increased exposure or transmission, unquote. Twitter made a decision via the political leanings of senior staff and government pressure. And the public health authorities' approach to the pandemic prioritizing mitigation over their concerns was, quote unquote, the science. Information that challenged the view, such as showing harms of vaccines or that other, I'm sorry, or that could be perceived as downplaying the risks of COVID, especially to children, was subject to moderation and even suspension, no matter whether such views were correct or adopted abroad. What might this pandemic and its aftermath have looked like if there had been a more open debate on Twitter and other social media platforms, not to mention the mainstream press, about the origins of COVID, about lockdowns, about the true risks of COVID in kids, and much more? Thanks to these people and blah, blah, blah on the team at the FP for their help reporting this story an expanded version of the thread is available now. Unquote. Again, we know that Twitter has been a criminal organization since its inception. Many of us know that. Again, I understand that many do not. It was not created by Jack Dorsey. It was not created by a small team of people. It was probably, again, funded by the CIA Created, if not by black hats in the military, for the purpose of again massive censorship, wiping out truthful accounts, and keeping a hive mind to become just another arm and another extension of the mainstream media because it would give the mainstream media another place to reference, in, at least in their heads, to legitimize their reporting and their opinions by saying, hey, look at all these people on Twitter all these people on twitter can't possibly be wrong this is the slow roll of information that is certainly necessary for endless people to understand what real censorship is because real censorship kills people it just flat out kills them now do i trust elon musk in the grand scheme of things no i do not do i trust what he plans on doing with twitter and some replacement platform no i do not but In the meantime, this rollout of information is necessary to expose not just Twitter, but government, the interconnections between all of them, and then, of course, waking up the individuals to the fact that they bit face first into a plastic lure when they thought they were biting into a nice juicy piece of shrimp. It wasn't. It was fake. It was, just a, it, was, it was just fake. It's just a fake platform. But people need to be careful with all of these platforms, because just because they go to a platform doesn't mean that they're going to find the truth being spoken by the masses. Again, Gab is a perfect example. You get on Gab, you hit the Explore button where you see a lot of the people that you're following and maybe some of the larger accounts. If they're all saying the same thing, it doesn't necessarily mean they're telling the truth. Doesn't mean that they necessarily know the truth. A lot of times they're just parroting what the other person says, like what I brought up at the beginning of the episode regarding Zelensky. Same kinds of things. There's multiple dimensions to this war, and we've got to do whatever we can to examine as many of these dimensions as humanly possible. But Twitter was certainly one of those massive dimensions, and it's being exposed, and rightfully so. I think that's only the beginning. As they even said regarding the the COVID rollout and Fauci's involvement. We haven't even gotten to his involvement yet. But once that's revealed again, that's gonna blow the lid off of a lot of stuff. So certainly stay tuned for that. Okay. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of content there. I'll try to be back on Friday as usual. I will not be here the following Monday, but I will be back again. Hopefully, this Wednesday, or I'm sorry, this Friday, and then next Wednesday, next Friday, and then we're back to the regular three day week Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule, as it were. So, with that said, everybody, I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.